Lenten series. This is actually the last message during Lent. Next week it'll be Easter, but it'll still be part of the series. And what we're talking about today is that uh, In Love is Messy is, the, the, of course, our, our series. But in particular today, what we're talking about is that when we love, oftentimes someone or something has to go missing. And when we look at Paul and Beth there, you know, they leave a hole here when they're not here. And they go missing, but it's for the sake of love. It's for the sake of the kingdom. And, and for three weeks, I left a hole in my family, I like to think. <laughs> you know, and, and not having uh, some people here left a hole here at Parker Ford. And yet that was for the sake of love. For the sake of love, sometimes things have to go missing. And for the sake of love, uh, we need to know that as we sacrifice, we can never sacrifice in such a way that God cannot fill and bless beyond the sacrifice that we give. So glory to God. Glory to God. His kingdom knows no end. How beautiful the body of Christ. Um, thanks again for that support. Someday we'll, we'll tell all the stories and we'll give you the full update. But I wanted to take a little bit of time to tell you a little more about that trip and share some of the stories. So we're going to transition into our message um, by uh, reading the scripture today. And uh, it's just a condensed message, real short message today, because we knew it was going to be a full Sunday. So you can stand with me and we're going to read from Mark chapter 15. You can switch back over now. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate that. We're in Mark chapter 15 and we're in verse 42 to 47. And when evening had come, Since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he had learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joses, saw where he was laid. May God add rich blessings to the reading of his word. You can have a seat. Join me in prayer. God, thanks for uh, all the blessings of this worship service today. It has been awesome. I thank you for music, and I thank you for stories of people of faith like Corey Tenboom. I thank you for the receiving of new members. God, I thank you for the opportunity to give of our resources to you. I thank you for intercession and prayer and the ability to carry our burdens to you. And before we leave, God, we just ask that here in this uh, just couple minutes, that, God, you would give us today our daily bread. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, um, there's all sorts of reasons that things go missing, and we miss things in different ways. I know that uh, Jen and the boys uh, missed me for three weeks, and many uh, families here missed their their people while we were in Indonesia. I remember when I was in fourth grade, uh, one of my first memories of actually really missing someone is when I found out that my best friend was moving 
And he was moving away. And I remember my bed. This is one of the few things I remember about my bed as a, a real little kid. I was uh, in fourth grade, and I remember laying on my bed one night, and just I couldn't help but the little tears coming down out of my eyes because I knew my buddy wasn't going to be in school with me anymore, my best friend. And the first kind of moment of really experiencing someone going missing and lost. When I was a little bit older, when I was in high school, I remember when my brother uh, left to go to Bangladesh and uh, to serve over in Bangladesh. And at that point, he had really become kind of my best friend. And I remember just the grief of saying, like, I'm not going to see you for three years, you know, and being really tore up about that. You know, and we've all experienced grief and loss that most of us a whole lot more than that type of thing. You know, we've experienced the deep kind of loss where maybe someone who we've deeply loved has walked away from us and we've had a broken relationship or even more. We've lost separation through death. You know, and, and what happens in us is that the pain that we experience at death and the separation and loss, that initial moment is, is confusing and it's kind of chaotic and it's different and there's a, a, a weird level of adrenaline that hits us and there's people all around in general and it's just a bizarre moment when we lose someone. But months later, there is a void and a vacancy that has been left. And there's a dull ache and an emptiness because someone who we care about has gone missing. And so much that pain can hurt us that we have a tendency to respond in some ways that aren't altogether healthy at times. Sometimes we want to deny the pain and act like it's not there and we might self-medicate or just live in complete denial of it and what ends up happening there isn't healthy or we begin to embrace the pain in a way that will never heal and will never let go of it because we want to hold on to it and we let it become our companion and we become victims. And what ends up happening if we go in inappropriate places with our pain, with our hurt, with our fear, with our losses, what ends up happening is it's not just that a person in our life goes missing, it's that parts of us go missing because we let those parts of us die with that person or leave with that person and we become less present, less full, less alive because we don't want to face the pain because it hurts too much. And there's all sorts of reasons why we go missing. You know, I remember um, there's this organization called Love 146 over in uh, Lancaster area who uh, works at the relief of human trafficking. And uh, the, the, the beginning, the inception of that, of that ministry started, the, the, the number 146 referred to a girl who was in a lineup at a brothel. And these guys who were going on an exposure trip to see what all the pain was over there in Thailand and what it was that was being experienced, they went over to watch how this whole thing worked because they wanted to figure out how to help and how to provide relief. And there was a lineup of girls on another side of a glass who, who predators were selecting. And as they looked into the eyes of each of these girls, all they saw was complete vacancy, complete void, as these girls would stare at a little TV where there were cartoons going on, and there was nothing left in their eyes because they had to shut down. Because the pain that had been afflicted to them was far too painful to still live in a way where they had sensitivities. So internally, they just shut down like a soldier who has post-traumatic stress syndrome, who's seen too much and just starts to shut down. That's the way these girls were. But there was one girl 
And her number, they all had numbers on, was 146. And she stared right through the glass and they said, there was still fight in her eyes. There was still war in her heart that said, this is not okay. They said, for the sake of that girl, we will do everything we can to bring relief. So they named their ministry Love 146. Love 146. And see, you know, in each of our lives, there is so much missing. And some of us haven't experienced the deep pain of grief yet. There are some who haven't. Some haven't received the spurn of, of a love going bad. You know, some of us don't know all the emptiness that others do, but all of us do have emptiness. And what ends up happening in our lives pretty easily is that we can fill up the vacuums, the emptiness in our lives with dross, with first of all, maybe sin, or secondly, maybe just basic life stuff, entertainment, activity. Third, maybe even really good stuff. But it doesn't mean that we're whole. And it doesn't mean that there isn't places of our lives that still need more. And this is the story of when Jesus goes to the grave. It's what happens to Joseph of Arimathea when Jesus goes to the grave. You see, Joseph... He knew a little bit that there was something missing. Just a little bit because it says he also sought for the kingdom of God. And if you're a seeker, then it means you're still looking for something that you don't yet have. And Joseph still sought for something. But see, there's this whole other thing about Joseph. And that's that Joseph was also a well-to-do guy. Respected man. And Jesus says very easily, or very openly, he says, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why? Because those of us who have don't realize how much we need. And it's hard to come to terms with what emptiness there actually is inside of us when there's so much that fills us. I'm going to ask you to do something before we close down today, and this is unconventional. And this isn't uh, generally good practice for public speakers. You're all nervous now. It doesn't require much of you, but it requires a little bit. I just want to ask you, right down the middle of our church, to stand up and to move toward the edge so that there's no space between each of us that we're seat to seat, shoulder to shoulder next to each other. I'll let you move back to your seat. But I'm just going to ask right now, everybody stand up and just go as far as you can to both sides of the church. Okay, go all the way down. Thank you for working with me. I realize this is unconventional. Make sure you have a seat. No, 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 make sure you have a seat. Sorry. Unclear instructions, apparently. Make sure you have a seat, but I don't want you to sit in the middle. I want you to sit as shoulder to shoulder, as close to the edge as you can. How many seats did you think were available in here today? 
Not that many. You know, there's a couple times when people came in uh, who were looking for a place to sit, and they're like, oh, boy, you know, (laughs) and we're trying to find places for people to sit. But do you realize all this space that's here that we didn't know was here? There is space in our lives. There is space in our relationships. There is emptiness and void in our society that we are unaware of. These seats here, do you know? Why there are seats here? Because there are people in our neighborhood right out there who don't have Jesus in their lives. And this seat right here, the one that no one wants to sit in, right here, that seat belongs to someone. Because Jesus wants to meet with them. And in each one of our hearts, There are spaces that are empty that we don't really know are that empty. But Jesus wants to fill us more. Jesus wants us to experience more of him. Jesus wants to know. He wants to fill every fiber of our being and every relationship we have. And he wants to blow our expectations of what a relationship with God looks like. He wants to just blow it out of the water because he wants to fill us with all the fullness of the richness of his presence in our lives. But we don't know how empty we actually are. You can return to your seats. Thank you. It says that Joseph of Arimathea took great courage and went and asked Pilate for the body of Christ. Why did it take so much courage for Joseph to ask for the body of Christ? Why? So first of all, it's completely unconventional. You don't let uh, crucified people their bodies go anywhere. They get thrown into mass graves. So it's very unconventional. Why else? With, okay, you might get in trouble yourself. You know, you start messing around. Pilate was already having a really bad day. Yeah, you know, now he's messing around. What else, Dave? So he's going against convention. He's going to a Roman ruler who's got a lot of power and has a bad day. And third, he is part of the Sanhedrin. He's one of the rulers who sat here, or at least he's part of the group, who made Pilate do this. And now he's coming back in front of all of his friends, and with great courage, he has to walk in and say, I will honor this man. You know, there's that old saying that says, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. I also think that uh, there's another phrase that we could work on that would say something like this. You don't know what you're missing until you get it. 
And I think both of those things happened for Joseph on that day. It said he was a man who was seeking after the kingdom of God, but he had dealt with all sorts of men who had power and all sorts of men who had resources. But on this day, he saw that Jesus was completely all the way to the end, willing to lay it down to the extent that he watched him die and this man went missing on his behalf. And now all the power and all the strength that Jesus had, what does it mean anymore? There's no pride left for this man. He's dead now. And in that moment, something changed in Joseph of Arimathea. He said, that right there is what's missing in me. And I don't care what any of these people say. I have been hiding in the shadows as a disciple of Jesus. I haven't been bold with my faith. I haven't grabbed a hold of this worship of Jesus. I haven't invited him deeply into my life and into my relationships. I've been watching from a distance and admiring to a degree, but I had to watch him go all the way to the place where he just disappeared. And when he disappeared, I realized I don't want him gone. I actually want him here more than I want my pride, more than I want my position, more than I want my life. And Pilate can take my life and all the conventions can go to the side and all my relationships can scorn me. But now that I saw Jesus die, I know that that one who went missing is the one who I need present in my life. And so he boldly went to Pilate and he said, I don't know what to do now, but I know what's missing, and I will honor what is missing in my life. Jesus. How often do we honor what is missing in our lives as opposed to honoring what is present? How often do we put on a party and throw our expenses and say, here is the space in my life that I cannot fulfill. Here, right here, is the weakness that that I can't love this way. Here is the place where I am just going to say, there is a tomb, there is a grave, there is an emptiness, there is a void in my life, and I need it to be filled with Christ. Right before I left to go to Indonesia, I told you a story about a guy I was, I was in a store right before I left, the day before I left. I was in this store and I was just running in to get something and I, I was trying to run in and run out because I was trying to get things done for Indonesia and this guy started talking to me, the guy who worked at the store and he started talking to me and he, this guy would not stop telling me about his life and I was really honestly not at a good spot to be listening. I had a mission I was getting things done and I didn't want to hear. And then honestly, the spirit of God started tugging on my heart as if to say, Tim, are you kidding me? I'm teeing this thing up for you. Are you going to listen to this guy and be present? And so I finally said, all right. And the guy was in mid sentence when I asked him, Hey, do you believe in God? (laughs) Cause I'm like, if we're going to do this, we might as well just do this. You know, and he was telling me about all the troubles of his life. So I said, do you believe in God? And he says, yes, I do. And I'm like, do you believe that God is present in your life right now? He's like, I don't really know. And I said, would you like him to be present in your life? Because all the stuff that it sounds like the issues you have, they're not the real issues. It sounds like you need God in your life. And he said, yes, I want God in my life. And so I explained the gospel to him and I asked him to pray. And he said, yes. And I was able to lead him to Christ right there in the store. And he wept and he was this big dude. And he hugged me in the store. 
freaked me out. I left for Indonesia. I told him, I said, you can come to Parker Ford if you want any time. Um, but I'm going to be going for the next three weeks. Feel free to stop in. But if you don't feel comfortable with that, I'm going to check in with you when I come back. So the day after I got back, I go walking into the store. And I hadn't even opened the door yet. And he came running to the front door. And he said, I've been praying for you every day. How was the trip? And I was worried about going into the store. And you know why? Because I don't have enough space in my life for more relationships. And I was afraid that I couldn't care for this guy. Because I'm too busy. And this is what he says to me. You're not going to believe what happened, man. He said... The day after you talked to me, I went on a ski trip with my buddies instead of going to church. But I had already planned for the ski trip, so I decided that I just better do it. And so then the next day I came back into work, and this guy comes in to return something to the store. And somehow we got into a conversation, and this guy and I start talking, and next thing you know, we're talking about God. And I find out that this guy lives in Westchester, which is where I live, and he has a Bible study, and he invited me to go to the Bible study. In the last three weeks, I've been going to the Bible study, and it turns out he's a part of this church, and I'm going to the church this Sunday, and I've been hanging out with all these young guys who are a part of this Bible study. And he's like, my life is totally different three weeks later. You know how rebuked I felt? Because I didn't have the time to listen to this guy in my own head because I think that life is the sum total of my efforts and my parts. And I don't create enough space to believe that there's a powerful God who if I just give a little space will turn this world upside down. And I was afraid to follow up and go hang out with this guy because I don't have enough space in my life. And God's like, I didn't ask you to mentor him. I didn't ask you to disciple him. I didn't even ask you to invite him to your church. All I asked you to do was listen for a second and then pray with the guy. Boldly take courage and believe that I will fill the void. Because you have emptiness in your life, but this was never about you. It was always about me. And what I realize is, is I realize that I fill my own life. I have this tendency to be the one to fill my own life. Instead of sitting there in all the void and in all of the emptiness and say, you know what? I don't have to be afraid that Jesus won't show up. I don't have to be afraid that I won't have enough money. I don't have to be afraid to be vulnerable with another individual because I've been hurt before. I don't have to be ashamed of my past and therefore not step fully into the presence of God. I don't have to be afraid to get on my knees or to raise my hands or to shout for joy or to tell someone about Jesus. I don't have to be afraid about any of that because I I don't have to worry about my life. You know why? Because there was a moment in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve went Missing and they hid behind bushes. But we don't have to go missing anymore because one day Jesus hung on a cross and he went missing for all of us so that we could be fully present again. Because when he comes back, there's nothing between him and us. And all the places where he's missing in our lives, it's all a lie. If there's anything missing in our lives, it's only about a lie that we believe now. Because Jesus is fully here and he's fully present and he's powerful and he's profound and he's ready to rock and roll the kingdom of God all through our lives. 
And it's not about me or my emptiness or my fullness. It's about Jesus. And I don't need to go missing anymore, and neither do you, because Jesus is no longer missing. He took care of all that. And Joseph said on this day, I don't know where this is going. And I don't have Jesus to talk to anymore. And I don't know how to engage him right now. And even though he's dead and gone and all that's left of him is a corpse hanging on a tree, I will do one thing. I will do the one thing that I can do to receive this guy into my life. I will boldly go to Pilate and I will say, at least just give me his body and let me bury it with honor to admit the vacancy in my own life. And man, was it the best move that he ever made. What is it today for each of us? Where are the missing parts? Where are we going through the motions and filling our lives with dross? But what we actually need to do is say, nah, I don't want to live filling parts of my life with fillers. I want this whole body to be emptied up because it can be filled up with Christ. I want my calendar to be open to Him. I want my pocketbook to be open to Him. I want everything, my relationships to be open to Him. I want to believe that when I walk into the store today that Jesus went ahead of me. I want to believe that when I go home to my spouse today, it's not the same old, same old, that that relationship can be turned upside down because Jesus is present and I don't have to be afraid to be vulnerable or bold or anything because Jesus is no longer missing because he already went missing once and for all and is done. No more missing parts. Let's be present with Christ today. Amen? Let's pray.